Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Thursday, April the 13th, 2023. It is currently 12.35 p.m. Central Time. Today's focus, who took over worship? Who took over worship? If you look at the Christian church at large, who took over the worship service? Who took over the worship music? Who took over worship? Well, you probably know if you've been paying attention, but it's just basically four churches, four groups that basically have taken over worship. That's why it all sounds the same, because basically it's being written by just a handful of songwriters. It's being produced by just a a handful of churches. So it sounds the same. They've taken over. They've dominated. And have they taken over and dominated because it's a move of the Holy Spirit or because it's marketing and strategy. What do you think is going on? Well, if you can get to the Christianity Today website today, ChristianityToday.com, I would strongly recommend you go there and look for the story, How Bethel and Hillsong Took Over Our Worship Sets. How Bethel and Hillsong Took Over Our Worship Sets. Now, let me just say this right from the start. No, 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 no. They took over. I don't know why they say our worship sets because I'm not a part of your R. No, no, no. Your worship sets, not my worship sets. There's plenty of churches that we do not use Bethel. We do not use Hillsong in any way, shape, or form. We typically use traditional hymns in my church. And we don't, I mean, we definitely are not using Bethel or Hillsong. We do not use that. So when you say that they've taken over our worship sets, they've taken over yours. They've taken over some churches, but we do not have to use anything written by Bethel or Hillsong. And I wouldn't use anything written by Bethel just on pure theological grounds because Bethel is a heretical mess. And let's not even get started with Hillsong. So, so they, they, if they've taken over, it's not, it's because the church let them take over. And I know whenever you criticize that, people say, well, I can't worry about the church's doctrine. I can't worry about the theology. The music is good and the music is worshipful. You can make that argument. But again, anything coming out of Bethel, I'm not supporting. I don't care. They're straight up heretical and don't even get me started. They're charismatic nonsense and they're the, the healing stuff and all of the stuff Bethel has done. We've talked about it over and over and over. But here's a little bit from the article. We'll probably talk about this more today. But I had just a few minutes, so I wanted to run up here to the studio, at least give you a today's focus so that you can go focus on it, at least bring it to your attention. And then depending on your thoughts or questions, we can talk about it more later today. But here is the story, how Bethel and Hillsong took over our worship sets. Uh, Right underneath that, it says, if you've ever felt like most worship songs sound the same, it may be because the worship music is written by just a handful of songwriters. I, I would say the issue is, well, we could get into a whole issue about music, but we won't go into that right now. Here's a little bit more. On Easter Sunday, the worship band at Bethel Community Church in Redding, California, opened the service with This Is Amazing Grace, a 2012 hit that has remained one of the most popular worship songs of the past decade. Chances are thousands of other churches around the country also sing that song or one very similar to it. 
a new study found that Bethel and a handful of other megachurches have cornered the market on worship music in recent years, churning out hit after hit after hit, dominating the worship charts. Just all of it doesn't sound very Christian in any way, shape, or form. That sounds very much like marketing and, well, just like anything else. Someone just, uh, someone uh, just posted in chat, uh, our church does not use them. Hillsong has made its way in a few times, but that seems to have stopped. My guess, someone said something. Well, hopefully someone said something because I think you have to at least be concerned with it. Now, I, I know, again, I understand people say it's the words of the song that matters. I, and and we, we can have that discussion. I just know Bethel. I'm sorry. I don't care what the words are. It's Bethel. I'm just, that's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. But I do understand it. So, so just before, because I'm going to come across very cynical and very negative, just so that you know, I have very much a, a I, I, you know, if, if I, if I, I could sit here and we could do, I, I could create a podcast just about my love hate relationship with Christian music and even my love hate relationship with worship music. Uh, when I was a brand new Christian, a, a very, very new Christian, I don't think I'd only been saved. Well, I'd only been saved a little bit of time, and I discovered, I think, what was called Hosanna Integrity Music. Now, obviously coming from charismatic churches, but I think every month, Hosanna Integrity released a like a worship album. And when I started discovering worship music, because I was saved in a Southern Baptist church, they did basically traditional hymns. Then I went to a Lutheran. Well, obviously, they were doing traditional hymns. So um, that's all I knew. So uh, when I walked into the Bible bookstore, the Christian bookstore, I started discovering not only obviously contemporary Christian music, you know, all the different genres, whether it was rock, whether it was the the very, very, very beginning of what was become known as Christian hip hop. I, as I was, you know, learning and experimenting and learning about all of this, then I discovered worship music. And I, there was a part of it that was so like, wow. These are songs are giving worship to God. It was amazing. There, there was almost a, a soft spot in my heart for it. I'm like, and there was, there were periods in my life. I'm like, I'm just going to listen to worship music. That's what I'm going to do. Right. Cause everyone condemns all of my secular music. I'll just listen to worship music. That's what I will do 24 seven. I'll just have, and, and I was like, this is awesome. And then you start discovering, wait a minute, this worship song, worship music comes from this kind of church. And, this, and then, then you're like, well, wait a minute. So how do I process? And I've gone back and forth. Like I'm just not, I'm just going to ignore where it comes from. But well, when it comes from Bethel, I can't ignore that. And, but even when it's described, you know, it's, you know, what is dominating the worship charts? The study looked at 38 songs that made the top 25 list for the praise charts and for the, the, you know, Christian worship music charts, which track what songs are played in churches and found that almost all had originated from one of four churches. So basically four churches have taken over worship in the, probably globally, but definitely in the American church. All the songs in the study, which range from Our God, God is Able, to The Blessing, debuted on those charts between 2010 and 2020. Of the songs in the study, 36 had ties to a group of four churches, Bethel, Hillsong, Passion City Church in Atlanta, and Elevation Church in North Carolina. They've taken over worship. 
Now, this is the part I wanted you to hear. If you have ever felt like most worship music sounds the same, the study's authors wrote it is most it may be because the worship music you are most likely to hear in many churches is written by just a handful of songwriters from a handful of churches. The research team made up of two worship leaders and three academics who study worship music made some initial findings public Tuesday. More details from the study will likely be released in the coming weeks. Elias Dummer, a worship leader and recording artist, said he and his colleagues have been watching changes in worship music over the past decade. They wanted to know how worship songs become popular among churches. They also wanted to know how the business of producing and marketing songs is shaping the worship life of local churches. Dummer said many worship leaders believe the best songs become the most popular in churches. They also believe those songs become popular because, and I quote, they work I'm assuming that means they get an emotional response. People respond to them during worship services and want to sing them over and over, but that's not exactly true. Dahmer and his colleagues found many of the more, more recent hits were released as singles on Spotify and other streaming services, which help fuel their popularity. There are actual mechanisms by which songs become the most significant, he said. It's not just whatever song the Holy Spirit blesses that makes it to the top of the charts. There's a mechanism in place. There is marketing. There is promoting. Look, I'm often baffled. And and I and not only am I sometimes baffled by how the whole worship thing, like Worship now is seen more as singing than I believe the highest form of worship is hearing God speak to us through the proclamation of his word. Preaching is the highest form of worship, not singing. Singing, we're singing to God, but when I think worship is us hearing God speak to us through his word. That's a whole, we can get into a whole debate about that. But I'm always baffled. Like sometimes, you know, I'll listen to a, a sermon and I'll be like, well, well okay, I'll, I'll just use this as an example. If you listen to some of the sermons we reviewed from a very specific church on the Gospel of John, I have no idea. Like, there is no human explanation why that church would have multiple campuses, be so big, have all the resources, because the preaching is some of the worst I have ever heard in my life, and that's not trying to be judgmental. So how, I mean, sometimes these mega churches, you listen to the preaching and I'm like, there's another mechanism at work. That's not the, the, the in-depth preaching of God's word. So it either it's sold on personality. It's sold on celebrity. It's sold on charisma. It's sold on, on, on something. Else. What's the mechanism? Well, if there's mechanism that determines the popularity of a preacher, the popularity of a church, the size of a church, and there are mechanisms that determines which worship songs are sung, and none of it really has to do with God or the Bible, that really makes Christianity turn out to be more operated as a business, as a corporation, with marketing strategies than it has anything to do with, I don't know, God's word. And that is kind of sad. They go on to say, 
Uh, for their study, uh, they said, uh, for their study, researchers compared popular worship songs written before before 20, uh, 2010 with those written from 2010 to 2020. Those earlier songs were often associated with individual worship leaders, such as Chris Tomlin, Matt Redman, rather than with churches and came from a variety of sources. But beginning in 2010, the most popular new songs begin to come from mega churches, worship bands, and the most popular uh, worship artists began affiliating with those churches. Of the 38 songs in the study, 22 were initially re- released by four mega churches, with another eight songs released by artists affiliated with those churches. Six more were either co- collaborations between artists from those churches, cover songs performed by those churches. All right. Uh, and then someone else who did a, a study looked at some other, they looked at some other songs. These bigger churches, even if they weren't involved in making the songs, platformed them, he, uh, she said. Adam Perez, assistant assistant professor uh, of worship studies at Belmont University in Nashville, said the four most influential uh, megachurches all come from charismatic tradition of Protestant churches. All of them, he said, have a spirituality that believe God becomes present in a meaningful and powerful way when the congregation sings a particular style of worship song. So in other words, these songs all come from a particular theological stream, and they're dominating worship in all kinds of churches. These songs become one of the primary ways of connecting with God, rather than prayer or sacrament or other rituals. Because of their market source success, these churches have changed the spiritual practices and sometimes even the theology of congregations from many traditions— now that is frightening. That it's the worship service, it's the worship music that is changing the theology of many churches. Uh, someone says, "I think that music is engineered to provoke emotion and and coercion." Uh, lost signal, so not sure if that posted earlier. Okay, no, I just saw it. Uh, I thank you. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And and it's funny because way back when I uh, in my first independent fundamental Baptist church. Now, that pastor's view on music, we admit, we would not see eye to eye, but he was constantly yelling and screaming about what that contemporary Christian music was infiltrating the church. And like, you know, basically, if it wasn't a hymn, it was sinful. But what was crazy is a lot of what he predicted really came, like, I still disagree with a lot of his views on music. Well, uh, uh, music outside the church, music inside the church, him and I would probably be in agreement, but... He, he basically said this music was going to change the theology of churches. And well, here we are in 2023, a study is coming out saying that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. I'm going to read that again. These songs became one of the primary ways of connecting with God rather than prayer or sacrament or ritual. Because of their market success, these churches have changed the spiritual practice and sometimes even the theology of congregations from many traditions. The industry, the industry itself became this invisible hand, he said. We don't name the theology of praise and worship. We just assume it and we use this kind of song to reinforce it. Wow. The study did not look specifically at the lyrics of the most popular songs. Baker did say uh, she's looking at those lyrics for a different project and found a few trends. For example, she said, few of the most popular songs... Uh, talk about the cross or salvation. A lot of it is what is God doing for me now and what is God promising to do for me in the future? 
wow, the songs play down the gospel. So I, I just wanted to point this to you. Um, they've got a list here of the top worship songs between 2010 and 2020. Maybe what we should do is pull up the lyrics of these top worship songs and start doing maybe a podcast series on those lyrics. What do you think? Do you think that sounds fun? I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about that worship music has changed the theology of churches and that worship music, is its success is more determined by marketing, promotion. There's a mechanism in place. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not God. There's It's, it's the same thing. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think that's what we should do here. Now we, we'll 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 get a little bit more into this soon. I, I just I just wanted at least and again today's focus is just to tell you to go focus on this. So here's what I would tell you to do: ChristianityToday.com. Look for the article how Bethel and Hillsong took over our worship sets. Read it today. Let me know your thoughts. Ask questions. They give a list here of the um, top worship songs from 2010 to 2020. This is what they say. Researchers found uh, that 36 of the 38 titles that ranked among the top 25 worship songs over the past de- decade came from four megachurch music affiliates. So they, they, can, they, they control everything. And it, it shows you the name of the song, shows you the artist, and shows you the affiliation. Like the first one they have listed here is Forever. We sing hallelujah, and it's Bethel, goodness of God, Bethel, uh, great are you, Lord, Bethel, Holy Spirit, Bethel, king of my heart, Bethel, living hope, Bethel, no no longer slaves, Bethel, raise a hallelujah, Bethel, reckless love, Bethel, the lion and the lamb, Bethel, this is amazing grace, Bethel, tremble, Bethel, waymaker, Bethel, waymaker, uh, uh, now do it again is Elevation Church. So, I mean, all of that is Bethel, 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 Bethel. Then you get Elevation, Elevation. Then you get Hillsong, 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 Hillsong. And then Passion comes in there. Oh, you do. We do have one from North Point. We do have one from North Point Worship. So, but you can, you should definitely look at it for yourself. Uh, again, go to ChristianityToday.com, look for the article entitled How Bethel and Hillsong Took Over Our Worship Sets. Again, I am going to rephrase that, How Bethel and, and Hillsong Took Over Your Worship Sets, because it definitely has not impacted mine in any way, shape, or form. But I want you to know, I do have a love-hate with this, because probably I could I could put some of this on and the, some of these songs on now, I would probably become, you know, bothered by the, you know, don't get me started on the musicality and you know, how it's produced and it all, okay, don't even get me started on that. But just from the lyrical point, like there's a desire, obviously, to want to draw closer to God and worship God. So I do understand that. But what do you do if it's being coming from a church where some of the, this music has literally changed the theology in some churches and the spiritual practices of some churches? Is it a Trojan horse? Looks, oh, look, it's this wonderful gift of worship. And then, boom, you get the poison. You tell me. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. 
That's newsifyahoo.com. That is your today's focus for Thursday, April the 13th, 2023.